This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Global Leadership Platform, Leadership Masterclass, Multiplying Leaders, Moving Society. I'm Adrian Grunewald. It's great to be with you. Uh, for all things leadership, go to leadershipplatform.com. One word, two Ps in the middle. Our Leadership Masterclass today with Klolile Sizani, Group Executive of Servest. We're excited to be with him at his offices and to talk leadership predominantly uh, of a great organization, I don't know, thousands of employees, at least 25,000 I read, <clears throat> and uh, we look forward to having a, a chat with you. Kolile, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. <coughs> SA's largest facilities management group, which means, I think we all know probably what it means, but you run facilities and yes. all the periphery around that, isn't it? Yes. Now, I mean, uh, just from a high level, if you um, look at what, Facilities management is defined as um, it's 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 a, it's a multiple services, uh, and all of these services are meant to create a comfortable environment, a safe environment within a built space. Um, by integrating technology, by uh, integrating the place itself, and making sure that uh, there is comfort. <clears throat> so, what service does uh, in within that space? We provide uh, services such as uh, parking. Uh, services such as, uh, as as security, we provide services within the office environment. Uh, we provide catering. Uh, we have a marine division, which many people might not necessarily uh, link it with service, but it's again mm. trying to assist. <coughs> sorry, trying to assist our our clients to be able to receive a comfortable, a uh, efficient service. And so service does a lot, of, a lot of those things, but all in the main is to really help our clients to have a comfortable, safe, efficient environment by integration of all of these technologies, services, and, and people um, within those spaces. Okay. I'm, I'm a bit not surprised, but you talk of a turnaround strategy. I know you're not Steinoff or Aspen or, or any of those, yeah. those organizations, but what do you mean by turnaround strategy? Obviously, you're not doing as well as you want to or the business yeah. hasn't been performing yeah. as, as you'd like it to. Just give us a bit of yes i think I think the the word turnaround is a is a is a word that uh, that in the main has been used to define situations where organizations are not doing well, but I believe that you can also use the word turnaround when you intend to step change the organization where you intend to improve the organization from its current base so for ourselves, we have defined a number of uh, strategic imperatives that we need to make sure are in place. Our objective in the main is to ensure that we have a solid a foundation, um, a solid foundation that then allows us to build a strong, profitable, and sustainable growth over the coming years. And so part of that agenda requires that we focus on high performance. We focus on making sure that our customers, there is a concerted effort to make sure that our pricing uh, that we provide to our clients, uh, the processes that lead to that pricing are efficient, our offer to the market is an offer that is deals with the needs of the clients. Our management of our relationship with the clients is a is a is a management that allows us to keep those retain those uh, those clients. So I think that's the first pillar in terms of our agenda to uh, improve our organization, focus on our customers because ultimately they are the one that pay our bills. Mm. <clears throat> the second pillar to try and get to this uh, high-performance culture that you want to uh, ingrain in our organization, uh, talks to our processes, our systems. How do we make sure that our processes and systems are standardized, are efficient? They allow us to provide speedily 
services to those clients. They allow us to respond effectively and efficiently to our clients. So there's a whole agenda that we're driving to make sure that that is in place. Thirdly is our people. We have a strong focus on people. As I said, we have uh, about 24,000 employees within our organization, and the idea is to make sure that the way in which we develop those people, the way in which we train those people, the way in which we engage our people, the way in which we reward and recognize our people, the way in which we drive the agenda of transforming the organization from a, a, an employment equity perspective, all of those things are aligned and create a sense of um, Sevestians who are passionate about this organization, who go an extra mile mm. to make sure that their needs are met. So, so when you're talking about turnaround, it's really about making sure that our foundation is strong. That foundation will then allow us to grow this business sustainably over a long period of time. Okay. Uh, what got me setting up was uh, wanting to recruit the right leaders, I guess also develop the right leaders, training them. <clears throat> Excuse me, and preparing them for the fourth industrial revolution. Just expand for thirty seconds on that. As I think it's the talk of the town, uh, the industrial revolution, and what it means. And again, I think in South Africa we talk about as if it just arrived now, uh, and yet we're using technologies that mm. have been developed in other countries. So this also talks to our lateness in actually entering this space. But having said that, for us to be able to deal with the evolution, because it's not just going to be a a, a slow change. It's a it's a fast change that is happening in the market. You need a, a a a group of leaders, a certain caliber of leaders, that are going to be able one to embrace the technology, two will be able to learn, and use three that technology to our advantage. So so when we talk about employing the right leaders, leaders that are going to be able to take this organization to the next level are leaders who have to embrace that change. Because as you know, the only thing that is constant is change. So every day you need people who have a high tolerance for change, people that are going to embrace technology, people that are going to take the organization and, and, and the people. Because I think it's one thing to try and take the organization, but we are a people-centered organization. Mm. We don't use a lot of technology per se as you would find in other high-tech organizations. We are about people. So the type of leaders that we bring in that are going to help this organization to go to the next level have to be a certain caliber and a certain breed. So that's what, you know, the focus when you talk about recruiting the right leadership is about. Okay. Um, Olile, you've got a difficult environment in which you are functioning and your leaders. It's not easy. I've been looking at the news of late and we've got – Magnificent organizations like Aspen, who's dropped in value, yeah. can't even imagine. Uh, we've got organizations like, um, uh, okay, Steinoff, we won't go there. It's quite obvious what's happened there. But a wonderful example of, of you know, growth and so on, and we see what happened there. We've got, of late, Tongard Hewlett. I don't know yeah, if you're aware yeah. of that. I mean, what the heck now? You know, these wonderful exemplary, it's not an easy world we live in. So, I guess, I want to explore with you um, what is that, and it's, you need to crystallize it, what is that one attribute that you think we need to awaken in leaders, we need to develop in leaders, we need to improve in leaders to be able to improve this situation that we find ourselves in, the blood on the walls, and I'm yeah. dramatizing because there's lots of pockets of excellence. But what is that one attribute? 
And, and maybe also what attributes do you expect of your leaders? You see, I think the, the, the challenge over the years has been the reliance on leadership without putting the importance and the and, and, and seriously the importance of the followers. Now, in the broader sense, you could say, for example, uh, in the standoff case, you have the CEO as a leader, but he's leading an executive team. So the extent to which the executive team is not empowered to see themselves as leaders in their own space, I think that then turns the conversation completely around. Because suddenly, I as a CEO, in as much as I'm in a position of authority, I now appreciate that I am also being led by the executive that sits around me. Because guess what? Most of those individuals have got the same capabilities as myself. I just happen to have one or two unique skill set that allowed the board to appoint me into that position. But I think the minute we begin to have no appreciation as leaders, that we are not followed by blindly. The minute we begin to empower our own executive to stand up and say, but respectfully, I don't agree with this point. And the logic behind my reasoning is one, two, and three. And I as a CEO can say, well, I hear you, I disagree with you on this and this. I think ultimately this is a position you must take because I'm accountable to the board. But the more I can empower my uh, executive to begin, and I think that's what's missing sometimes. We have put so much uh, emphasis on the leader, it's uh, him or herself, without putting an equal demand mm. on the people that surround them. Uh, leaders do not lead in isolation. They lead because there's a fo- uh, people that are following them. But leaders are as strong as the people that are following them are. Okay. When I know that I'm surrounded by a team of people that have a, a, a complete understanding of the issues, the conversation that I have with them is completely different. If I appoint, and again, the political term will be yes men, then I can rest assured I can make decisions wrong or right without anyone making me accountable. I think that's one thing. But accountability is the second thing. Whenever a decision is made, there has to be a sense of accountability. And you will find in many of these instances, leaders that have been able to make this decision. Because you don't make one decision, the company falls. It's a series of decisions that you have been making, accounting to no one, or not being taken to task by people that are in authority to do so. And the absence of that, in my view might be one of the contributing factors in some of the challenges that we, we have today. And, of course, filtering that down. So, of course. So your example, obviously, understandably, is with your executive that you need to follow them at times and they need to be empowered and they follow you. Uh, but filtering that down is the big challenge because the argument is there as a CEO, you've got full capability and carte blanche to change your team or to employ people that, that – match your strengths and weaknesses and and to get the strong team around you the further down you go the less power a leader has to put a team in place that they actually want and they often sit with either a a personal direct message on twitter the other day from a lady saying i'm a manager i'm trying so hard but my team they they unqualified they this they that and i realized she what advice do i give her she was asking for advice she can't just hire and fire uh, so we went on a little bit of a journey yeah. of a conversation. But but still, that needs to filter, doesn't yeah. it? Is the ability yeah. to have the kind of leadership style 
that, that provides for followers also leading? Yeah. I think what, what my experience has been, and, 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 and I've, I've been in a few companies, and what I've experienced with uh, my leaving those companies is the fact that I still have conversation with people that I used to manage. And the reason why I was able to do that is because I always try by level best to explain the business case, the burning platform. Why do we need to make the change? Because I'm convinced if you can have my direct report, understanding the burning platform, understanding the business case, it is easy for them to cascade hmm. the message below. Yeah. Where sometimes the problem lies is that, what do you want me to cascade? I don't even agree with what you're saying. I'm not even sold that this is the right thing that you're asking me to cascade to my team hmm. is. So, so we have to, <clears throat> I always say to my team, let us spend 80% of the time planning. Because what tends to happen in many situations is that we jump straight to execution and we realize that part of the problem with not being able to deliver those results that we're hoping for is because you've gone into the execution mode without really unpacking and understanding what are the risks with the proposals that you are going to put in place and therefore how you're going to mitigate it. So, so there is a, a considered amount of time and effort that each one of the leaders must sit down and spend a considerable amount of resources explaining the business case, explaining why the need for the change. And you'll find that not everyone is going to be bought. I mean, I've, I've been in this role for six months. I'm still talking to people about the need for change. There's a sizable amount that accept that change needs to happen and they are bought into that or buying into that. There's still a considerable amount of people that still do not necessarily believe that it's the right thing to do. So I do have to spend time to try and convince them. But mm. I cannot spend the rest of the year talking. See, that's, I, why, that's, that's why I want to jump in is, is the, the fourth industrial revolution culture mindset is a fast one. Yeah. So, so we, we need to spend a lot of time planning because in today's world you make one mistake and the whole world is on, yeah. on top of you with social media and the yeah. empowerment of, of our general population. But the world also expects you to move yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're almost destined to fail sometimes as a leader. You know, you, you've got to move without full planning. But then you make mistakes because you couldn't put the yeah. amount of mind power into it. Yeah. That is not easy, is it? And then while you execute, you're visible all the time. Yeah. You're, you're not hiding in the shadows. Yeah. Everyone can see and hear what you're doing. Uh, it's not fun to be the leader. No, 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 not at all. Um, I think, I mean, the conversation that we had uh, uh, just now is that, um, one, we need a certain breed of leaders. Uh, so there's always a debate about are leaders born, are leaders developed. I think it's a combination of both. Mm. Um, but the, I mean, I remember in my days when I was studying project management, they used to say that uh, uh, three top research has shown that uh, the three most common trends around successful project managers. The number one is tolerance for ambiguity. Now, in the environment where there is a fast-changing uh, environment, you do not have the luxury of time. So you have to understand what are the key drivers, what are the key risks, and have an appreciation of those. And constantly, as you move forward in your execution, to keep on checking if those risks are still being uh, mitigated. So mm -hmm. I think that's an important part of the process. But leadership development is very critical. We, I think today there is quite a considerable effort. We might not necessarily have the results that you're looking for, 
But there's, I mean, business schools today are, are focusing on leadership. And if I look back 20 years ago, there were very few of those programs. Now, in any situation, the leadership related, I did, for example, a master's in business leadership because one, I was crazy about leadership and I wanted to really be a, a competent leader in my position. So I understood that I need the technical competency. So I had uh, my engineering degree, but I understood that for me to be able to rally um, uh, my colleagues to support the vision, I need to appreciate what are the key tenets of leadership. Yeah. Um, so, so, so part of what we need in this fast-paced environment is leadership development that embraces technology at the core. And again, I think the other challenge is having the leadership development programs that are not in tune with the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, it's just not going to work. It's not going to um, work. All right, so for our younger leaders out there, let's imagine you have an audience of thousands in front of you, and the question I ask you is, looking at what you know now about leadership, what is it you wish you had known when you started your career as a leader? So if you were talking to the young Kholile, yeah, <laughs> what would you tell him so that he can grow faster and get to where you are at a younger age yeah. even? No, I think uh, tolerance uh, for ambiguity is one thing, but uh, there's a certain emotional intelligence that is going to be required for any leader. Because what happens is you've got brilliant technocrats who, by virtue of being good at what they do, get elevated into leadership. But what tends to happen is because they are technocrats, once you get to leadership, there's a sense of politicking that goes in there. And now politics are a function of whether I like you or not and what have you. So if you're going to be weak emotionally, once you get to a leadership role, you're going to be torn apart because you're going to come out with brilliant ideas mm. and people are going to just stifle you because they've got other interests. Um, so, so part of what then needs to happen is high tolerance and, and, and a sense of emotional intelligence is very good. So if I had to go back to Claudia, I would have said, make sure your emotions are in check. Work on that. Be, work on that. Spend time on that. Because I think, and you can't teach, and unfortunately that's the problem, you can't teach Emotional intelligence. I don't think so. I think it's something that you, you learn yourself over time by, by being in those situations and, and sitting down and reflecting on what, how you dealt with that situation and how you should avoid. So if I had the opportunity now to talk to myself, I would have spent a lot of energy on, 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 on making sure that that part is strong. It, it, because it challenges you. It challenges mm -hmm. you. You, you're a technocrat by nature. You have been a top performer in, in, in your entire career. And you get to a certain position, then you feel, you know, emotionally you're being thrown aside, your, 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 your ideas are not appreciated. And you learn a couple of months down the line that those ideas that you had, they actually be implemented because suddenly the person that's now implementing them has got a different feel. So, so that for me is one of the important parts that I would have. Okay. Um, as, uh, yeah. I guess then it's a whole new discussion with that young Lele about how do I develop it? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess it's a self-awareness journey, isn't it? Yeah, Is, yeah, if if yeah. I can to teach that young future leader to be very self-aware yeah. and to always evaluate and to yeah. look at yourself and get to know yourself really well yes, yes. and become confident, yeah. truly confident, not yeah. just... Our world is, is geared around techno stuff, technocratic stuff. You know, our studies, our degrees are technical, all of it. Yeah. But then what matters out there to make it happen, to move it forward is leadership. Yeah. And then... Personally, looking back, what would you have done more or less of by way of developing yourself as a leader? Maybe it speaks to the first one. Yeah. But what would you have done more of 
same thing? Would you have just worked harder at your emotional intelligence or is there something else that comes to mind? I, th- I think over the years, and again, I never really thought about this, um, so you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think over, over time, as you, as, as you move from just running small departments and running organizations, the, 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 the engagement with people becomes different. You're suddenly sitting in a position where you have to rely on others to, 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 to then deliver the vision. So I think what I, I would always try and, and, and work hard on would have been the selling of that business case, spending more of the time, spending more time with my team to make them appreciate, understand more and more what the vision is. Yeah. And I think for me, um, and again, as I said, you know, part of the, the pressure is that you have a deadline to meet. So you can't have this conversation over six months. Yeah. Uh, but it's an important conversation nonetheless. So if I had to go back and say I want to do more of that would be that. What would be to make sure that I stay close to my people or to my colleagues in making sure that I spend more time to explain the business case, to explain the vision. And, 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 and once I have them understand the vision, I can then go back and do other things. Because as younger leaders, you make mistakes, obviously. Yeah. You've... you've you would be able to look back now and say, Gee, I wish I did more of this and that. And, yeah. and the younger we are, we want to push things through with our authority and our position. Yeah. I'm the boss. Let's do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but So I, I value what you're saying yeah. there. Just escalate very quickly for me to organizational. So, so what are the essence principles of leading an organizational? Two or three principles that, that you've learned. Yeah. Leading a person is one thing, your EQ and everything. Yeah. Leading yourself, it's another thing. Yeah. But then organizationally, yeah. uh, we've touched on some of it, but just yeah. capture it. No, I think the, 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 the three that comes to mind is, 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 is competence. Um, and again, I, I'm an engineer in my background. Um, I am surrounded by a team of finance, ops, and so forth. But I have, you have to work on making sure that people can understand where your strengths are. What is this area where you have to be all-rounded as a leader in my role? But there has to be areas. For example, I'm very passionate about strategy. So my team knows when it comes to strategic and long-term thinking, they must come to me. Not, not because of anything, because it's an area that I spend a lot of time addressing and, and, and talking to. So that's the one principle, um, competency in an area, mm-hmm. showing that this is your passion. Leadership and, and strategy are my com- uh, areas that I'm passionate about. Secondly, it's about a, um, a, a, a influencing like I said, once you get to my level, you cannot do many of these things. You have to influence people to be able to do these things for you. Mm. So how you influence, putting together a business case for change, uh, talking with people and listening to, to people and making sure that um, uh, you can, you, you, they, they buy into your, into your vision. But thirdly, listening. I think, I think as leaders, and again, I'm an engineer, so... My upbringing and my training has been about solving problems. So yeah. the first thing I do when you come to me, I listen. And, and whilst you're talking, my mind is already trying to Solution. do some calculations yeah. uh, to, to, to find out what could be the, pos- the, the, the solution. Because I also believe that you came to me because you think I can solve the problem. I don't want to fail you. <laughs> right. yeah. But what I've, I've, I have to, and I think it's an important part of leadership, is about listening. I think as leaders, we have tended to pretend that we all have all the answers all the time. We might have answers, but not necessarily all the time. So I think the third pillar is really about listening. It okay. sounds basic, but 
But you'll find that there's, there's very few of us who are able to do that. I mean, there's obviously one-on-one listening. Yeah. You sit with an employee or an executive team member or you sit with your chairman, whoever, and, and there's a listening going yeah. on there. But then there's organizational Actually listening, listening. You know, with, with surveys yeah. or with yeah. um, group conversations. Yes. or It's, it's about yeah. listening. What, what do you need? You yeah. know, what do you think the exactly. solution is and so on? Exactly. Just back to the organization towards the last few minutes of our, our leadership conversation. Those four values, which I like, typically that your organization yeah. have, um, are, are they still relevant in the turnaround strategy? <coughs> we are passionate. We are reputable. We yeah. are regional. We are active. Yes. So they're still on the map. So, so what we've done is because there's, there's two processes, like we just said now, as an organization, as, as a leader, you need to listen. So you need to listen what is happening internally and therefore address what the issues are. But you also need to listen to what is happening out there and address the issue. So in as much as uh, in the context of the values, there, there's how you want your clients to appreciate and see you. Yeah. So this is um, our, our, our values as you've just articulated them. But internally, there is a set of values that I'm saying to the team are needed. And those values are values around transparency. <clears throat> I think for us to be able to deal with the challenges head on and be able to address them, we have to know what they are. Yeah. So a sense of transparency is important, in the, especially for me who come from outside, who has been put in this role to grow the business. I have to understand what the issues are. Mm-hmm. Issues that might have in the past not been put on the table. So I need transparency in my executive. I need transparency in the entire organization. That is the one way that I believe will be able to then deal with the issues. <clears throat> Secondly, I need to trust. I need to be trusted by my leaders, I mean by my, by, by my team, I also need to trust my team. So there's a lot of work that I believe we need to do in order for us to, to, to know that I, I have your back. And equally, I don't have to challenge necessarily or doubt your numbers, uh, but because I trust what you say. And again, if the transparency has not been addressed, I'm bound to have those issues. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's the second thing. But it's going to require courage, which is the third uh, value that I'm saying internally we need to embrace. Because you can imagine, if you are having, and your strategy is to build a strong foundation that is going to help you to uh, build a sustainable growth going forward, there's going to be a need to boldly go where no man has gone before. And that's going to require courage. Mm. So, so there is a value system that I'm espousing to, and I'm saying to my team, guys, we have to be courageous. We have to take this bold step. I've seen a lot of things. You have seen a lot of things. We have read a lot of things. We have been around for many years. We know what should be done. Knowing it is not enough. We need to be courageous to take that first step okay. to make the change. So, so, so those values are part of what you could call our internal values that we want to make sure, on top of the others that you've mentioned, mm. that we also need to embrace in order for us to take this organization. So these are shifting yeah. further, <coughs> yes. uh, and, and it's a process. Yes. Okay, <coughs> I, I get that. And how do you entrench it? It's I mean, a conversation. It's all the stuff we've spoken about, yeah. isn't it? It's a conversation. It's, a conversation. it's listening. It's yeah. engaging. It's conversations. So what we mm-hmm. do now is we have a, a quarterly telecon with the top 250 managers. And in those conversations and, and, and information sharing, we talk to these uh, values. In my exco, for example, I ask my managers to comment on what it means for them and how are they going to start embracing some of those values. So it's a journey. It's okay. a journey. Uh, but it's something that I believe uh, is important for us to, to do. Well, Lille, uh, interesting country we're in, um, interesting gl- world we're in. Yeah. 
just a final brief message to leaders out there. If they're all sitting here listening to us, and many of them will uh, yeah. on social media and other platforms in the near future, um, what is your message to them? I think it boils around listening. <clears throat> it boils around listening in the sense that, and again, let's take Twitter, for example. There is so much listening and learning. I mean, let me combine it, the two, listening and learning. There is so much information that I could not even fathom because I just don't come from that environment. I just don't have that experience. I don't have those lenses. But when I read those messages on Twitter, I think, I never thought of this. So what leaders today have to do is to be comfortable with saying, I, 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 I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I never thought of it. You know, because the more we can do that, this, this fourth industrial revolution, and you, you will hear they talk about machine learning. Guess what? There is a leadership learning part that needs to yeah. be embraced as well. So, so the fourth industrial revolution is not only about machine learning. It's going to be about leadership learning. Yeah. So if I had to summarize what is important going for, for leaders in our society going forward, it will be about leadership learning and learning means that you must spend time and listen to your to, to, to everyone. Everyone has got an idea. All of us, we are, we are born with some form of intelligence. And therefore, everyone of us can share, can teach me, can uh, empower me with information that I, I never could have um, uh, thought of. Tolile mm. Sizani, Group Executive of Servest. What a pleasure. Uh, you know, uh, I, I value your comments. Thank you so much for sharing them. Thank you. Listen, learn, learning leadership. Yes. That's the future. That's and what a world we live in. It's yeah. not easy, but it's exciting, isn't it? Thank you. And yeah. we thank you for joining us on the Global Leadership Platform. Thank we, you. We thank look you, forward Adrian. to sharing it with the world. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. I really enjoyed thank it you. myself. That's yes. the Global Leadership Platform. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to being with you soon. Bye. This is CliffCentral.com.